What's up, people? Welcome to Wrestle Update. I'm your host, as always, Dylan Fox. This week, my usual co-host, Scott Edwards, is on vacation, so I will be doing this episode solo. The next couple of weeks, he'll be gone as well, and I do have some guest hosts planned in the future. But this week, there was graduation ceremonies for multiple people that uh, caught, you know snuck up on me. If you would like, please listen to our latest episode, me and Scott covering Night of Champions for WWE, as well as myself and Sandra Bjorn covering Double or Nothing for AEW. You got a double show last week, so this week, you get solo Dylan. But regardless, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate every one of your listens. And hopefully you guys enjoy the show despite being solo this week. I still manage to watch every episode of every show that we usually talk about, as well as a special Rampage edition of the show, which we will talk about, as well as some news. So all the usual fix-ins and things are going to be on this episode. You won't miss too much, uh, other than Scott, of course, which is a big loss. I miss Scott. Hopefully he gets back very soon. But the next couple of weeks, I'm all but certain to not be going it alone again. So hopefully you guys uh, can get through this week well. We really appreciate all the listens out there, all the people who uh, click on the Cage Match page. I know there's been a lot of changes and things going on on there. Uh, I'm sorry for any inconvenience you guys have had. Uh, oh, you know, and this episode was a little bit later than our usual episode. So even me, I do have to take a little bit of blame for it. Uh, and I apologize for that. But regardless... This week was all about the follow-up from the pay-per-views that we talked about on last week's episodes. You can hear our thoughts there, see how things uh, you know, things went on those shows, how we reacted, how we compared to the cage match inmates, compared to the general public sentiment on Twitter, social media, everywhere you want to look. This week, I would like to start with AEW, as we started with WWE last week. I try to like to be even keel on these shows, you know, not... I don't want to play favorites with anybody. I just want to take them straight up as they are. <laughs> you know, that way it means a little bit more when I say one is better than the other. Um, but this week had the biggest news, and that's what I want to start off with. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Me and Scott did, and now he's not here. It'd be interesting to know his thoughts, and I'll probably end up, at, you know, when he comes back, it'll be around the time this all happens. He'll have a much better point of view because he'll have seen everything unfold whereas i'm just prognosticating before the fact so to speak but the fact of the matter is this this week on dynamite cm punk was officially announced for collision and this is going to be a huge test for his star power that others has claimed he's has and tony khan clearly believes that he has it was interesting with the announcement First of all, I think we have to criticize the way they've rolled this out for multiple reasons. In real life, the debacle with him being on the promotional stuff from Warner Brothers Discovery and having to take it off and how bad that looked, that, first of all, was a debacle. You know, that's inexcusable for a professional company. It should not have happened. But even in the area of the show... These things were announced every week. He came here saying, oh, next week I'll announce this. And then next week there'll be another announcement. They've just kept going on and on. He's been in the same room. Performance-wise, you know, he was fine as like an official president or whatever, commissioner type of character announcing these things. There's nothing wrong with that. But I I wish they had just gotten to the point beforehand. I don't know why. 
they felt the need to try and keep this a secret. I know it, that's how they did it the first time with the first dance, but and it worked. You know, I can't criticize it too much, but considering where we're at now, things have changed a lot since the first dance, and I think it would have been a lot smarter and probably would have avoided a lot of unnecessary drama if they had just announced it sooner. And we don't know that drama isn't what Punk is aiming for. Maybe even Tony Khan thinks so. I don't know. But for me, I think it would have been better had they just announced it. Instead of just playing these games every week where there'll be another announcement next week. Just announce it all right away and get it all out of the way. Another interesting point is when he got announced on the show, you could tell there was a mixed reaction. This wasn't some legendary homecoming hero type of reaction. I mean, you could see the cameras were really looking for CM Punk signs and shirts and things like that. Try and make it seem like this epic return. (laughs) But there were boos. They were noticeable. It's not like I'm making this up, people. You know it. If you know it on social media, you could already see a bunch of people talking about that. It's been said as well, you know, in terms of his reaction, not just from the fans, but in terms of behind the scenes in the company... It's been said that Punk will have a heavy hand in creative, along with Ace Steel. He's coming back. It looks like they've worked out whatever they need to work out to get him there. If there was even deep issues, it seems like you know a lot of the drama took place online, and maybe TK and Punk have had a good relationship. That's how it reads to me. I don't have any official info on that. That's just how it reads for me as an outsider. I'm sure some of you would agree, so maybe some of you disagree. It's been said that Tony Khan has been leaning on Brian Danielson a lot more with creative ideas. He respects his ideas, as he certainly should, in my opinion. That's a guy that I would want to pick his brain about wrestling 24 hours a day. It appears there's going to be different voices in the room. Now, whatever you feel about Punk... And look, Ace Steel, that's a guy... I think a lot of people don't really know that much about him and only know him from the Brawl Out stuff and that he's friends with Punk... But if you look at his career, he was always a very respected wrestler. Like, in-ring, his mind for the business. He was a guy, he never made it to the big show in WWE, but he is a guy that has wrestled all over the world, knows styles well, has trained people, and has always been very respected. So taking out any personal issues, I think it's a great thing to have different people in creative. I think one person doing it, Look, we've seen it with AEW. A lot of the build to the last two pay-per-views have been underwhelming outside of one angle that appears to have a lot of different voices involved in that and not just one person. (laughs) So to me, I think it's a great idea to have different people in there. Punk, considering what we know about him, I don't know if I would be as trusting in that if it was me, but I'm not Tony Khan. He has a personal relationship with him, And I think it's good no matter what that it's at least somebody different, first of all. As far as the ticket sales, it's not like things have been a roaring success since Punk has been announced. As of last check, since the announcement was made on Dynamite, I'm recording this Sunday night. This is according to WrestleTix, by the way. You can check them out on Twitter. They have a lot of information about ticket sales and things like that. Just under a 1,000 tickets have been sold since this announcement. I checked it an hour ago. 994 tickets, to be exact. Putting it just under 8,000 in total. 
They set the seat up. They expanded the seating after this announcement to 10,000, which is obviously less than the first dance's big return. But I do think there's additional context. And I said it a couple of weeks ago. I know Scott is a huge fan of CM Punk. And I know a lot of our listeners are fans of his. And I know a lot of people just everywhere is a fan of his. I am not his biggest fan by any stretch of the imagination. And it has nothing to do with the elite. I've had my issues with them over the years and my run-ins with them. But just him for a long time. But... Me looking at it objectively, I do think it's important to give context rather than just dance on him and try and dunk on him. I think that's very... If you see people do that, that feels very disingenuous with the truth of the matter. So I'm going to try and give some context here (laughs) to (laughs) where we're at, so to speak. Uh, You know, because it's not great right now. I think anybody would say that for multiple reasons. Now, first of all, I want to mention this because it's something I've seen multiple times and I think it's worth pointing out. Multiple events for AEW recently, a lot of the fans have complained about raised ticket prices. That's a thing right now in a lot of different places with entertainment and in different countries. A similar story is being told in Japanese wrestling at the moment. People are trying to raise the prices a lot and... It's the wrong move for the fans to gouge people at this time. We know that times are tough right now with inflation. A lot of people are struggling. A lot of people can't afford these kind of things. And another factor of this is the Dynamite after is also in Chicago. Not just Collision, but the Dynamite. And there has been evidence over the last few years of AEW burning down some towns, overrunning them, having multiple shows there putting high prices on them, that's a bad sign. That's going to cause some problems. And let's face it, there's already a divided fan base with Punk right now. We saw it on the show, and anybody with a brain knew that. And look, let's just call it what it is. They probably didn't want to announce him. They wanted to keep it a secret for whatever Punk's reasons are or Tony Khan's reasons are. That they worked so hard to not announce it officially. Announcing him on TV was an attempt to sell more tickets. And it worked to an extent. Not to a game-changing extent. Not to an extent worth all of the problems he'd been involved with if it was me. But Tony is the billionaire running the company. and His opinion means more than any other analyst or any of the fans. And there's still two weeks to go. Let's see how it plays out. If they sell out. Let's see how the rating goes. If things go good, I think that that's something, you know, I'm sure there'll be some sighs of reliefs. Maybe there'll be some people mad in that company. Maybe people are not happy about this and aren't, you know, aren't too happy about it. They're rooting against it. But even if it isn't great, I think there's other context beyond punk. And hey, if Tony or any wrestler is listening to this and they want to correct anything on these thoughts... Give a different perspective. I promise you I'm easy to find. My DMs are wide open to wrestlers, owners, fans, whatever. And I'm reasonable. I'll listen to anybody. And I'm open to being wrong. Because to me, I'll tell you, being wrong grants you the chance to learn and grow. Hopefully TK 
and all of the people involved also realize that fact too, if things don't go according to plan. Let's talk a little bit about what happened on Dynamite. Again, this is Wrestle Update. We don't go blow by blow on the shows. We talk about the big things, and then I'll run down the cage match ratings here. You know, there wasn't a lot of big storyline stuff here. I mean, you had minor stuff, you know, with the title and things like that. I mean, they played a pre-taped promo for MJF. They had a lot of stars on the show. But the one thing that you could say that they really did a good job and there was a lot of care for, which is undoubtedly the best storyline in AEW by a country mile, was the Elite story. There was multiple segments on this show talking about what happened on the show, setting things up for the future. The first segment was where they did interviews with the Young Bucks and Hangman Page. A minor part of that, a side story, if you will, was Dark Order coming in. They're pissed at Hangman. He's ditched them for the Elite. He never even officially joined Dark Order. They're rightfully not happy about it. He wants to, you know, make things right with them some way. He chased after them. That's kind of how that ended. We don't know what's going to happen next. But a big part of it was they had done a storyline where they said that Omega was back home in Canada. But Paige said he's gone, but he ain't in Canada. He's in Japan. So this all but guarantees Ibushi will be coming into AEW for this. And that's going to get a lot of people really hyped. We talked about it on the show. <laughs> you know, I had my idea of Ibushi being the one to turn heel. But it's not a problem at all reuniting the Golden Lovers for this. It's going to be an amazing moment. And that is really good. But the headline act of this whole show, this to me was the best thing on any wrestling show this week. Raw, SmackDown, Rampage, or Dynamite. There was an absolutely fantastic Don Callis and Kanosuke Takeshita segment. The San Diego crowd, uh, I didn't even mention that. Uh, the, they were in San Diego at the Vegas Arena. Uh, the Viajas Arena, excuse me. Uh, you know, I had a little small typo here. Uh, but the Viajas Arena, uh, capacity crowd, 5,400 people. This crowd sounded like it was bigger than, like, you know, any any arena. They were getting dominant heat. But for real, like, for actual heat here, you could barely hear what they were saying. <laughs> they had to yell. <laughs> Don Callis was going on saying, I hope these boos are for Omega and not me. But no matter, he could have said anything. He could have said gibberish and he still would have gotten the same reaction from the fans. It was awesome. And then they gave Takeshita the mic and he yelled in Japanese. And it was great. I like They turned it up for him too. And look, I'm the first to admit, I was skeptical of turning Takeshita heel. But after this segment, I'm already sold. This was so awesome. Like I said, this was the best thing in wrestling this week. Interesting that Callus teased. Another part that was interesting is that he teased starting his own family to, to destroy the Elite, which could lead to the BCC and Elite breaking off, which with some stuff going down, you could see that paying off too, especially heading into Forbidden Door. And this could be transferring the Elite to this feud with whatever this new family could be. This could be a stroke of genius. Like I said, I didn't even think about it, and maybe we should have. Maybe we should have been smarter. 
But Tony Khan, I got to give it up to him again. I thought that it was a bad decision to turn to Keshita Heel. And we haven't seen him wrestle yet. But with this reaction, with him and Callis, this can work. And I was really, really impressed. And the potential of a new faction surrounding him, this could elevate all sorts of people, lead to an epic blood and guts match. I can't say a good I can't say enough good things about this segment. I'm so excited to see where it goes next, man. The one problem though is that he did call Inoki Onoki, which was very funny. If you're a if you're a Japanese wrestling fan, you know, it was uh, very humorous there, but for a heel, it totally worked. Uh, thinking about who could be in a potential faction, if they wanted to do that, build a group around Takeshita to fight the elite, end up with, you know, Omega, Ibushi, Hangman, and the Young Bucks. You need four other guys around Takeshita for this faction. And, you know, I'm looking at this roster right now. And the fact is, a lot of these guys are already in their own factions, right? And that's going to be a problem if they go this route. Is Santana healthy? Because we they should be in the faction. <laughs> if that's possible, uh, Santana and Ortiz, put them in that, if it was up to me. And ideally, you would want some people with some Japanese ties. And there's only so many that would be able to work as a heel effectively, I would say. You know, I think there's a lot of different people you could look at. Maybe this Dark Order thing, you could see somebody turn there. Somebody like a Stu Grayson, you know, joining that that group around Takeshita, get a big push. I think he's a guy that is a great in-ring performer. The look is always going to hold those guys back a little bit, I think, to a lot of the modern fans. But I love his wrestling. You know, like I said, about the factions being a big thing, that's a problem because I would love if Swerve was able to be in this (laughs) somehow, put him in there. Uh, There's some guys in there. Samoa Joe could be a guy. Has some ties uh, to Japan. I could get behind that. Uh, You know, maybe they bring in somebody for this. Maybe there's a wrestler that we're not even thinking of, a a foreign talent. Big news came out of Japan. I mean, recently there's been two guys in Noah that have left the company and two guys in Dragon Gate that have left. And uh, all of them are pretty strong talents in their own way. The Dragon Gate guys are a little bit small, but I don't think it would be a problem going against the Young Bucks, you know, if they wanted to do that. Somebody like Hobbs, get his ass away from QTV and put put him in this with Callus and Takeshita? What about my guy Miro? That's somebody you think about. So there are some options if they wanted to build a faction around Takeshita. Uh, and I think it's a great idea. It's one that I really didn't even consider. And like I said, to me, feels like a bit of a stroke of genius almost to set this up. And the segment was absolutely phenomenal. Highly recommend going to find it on YouTube or On Demand or wherever you want to watch it. Uh, I thought they did some really great things. Another big thing was the main event mix tag. It was Chris Jericho and Soraya taking on Adam Cole and Britt Baker. Uh, They did really good. And I got to give them credit because I was hard on them. We were all hard on them. Nobody liked that match at the pay-per-view. It was a terrible, terrible match. This was a lot better. And remember, go back to the show that I did with Sandre where we were talking about the Jarrett match on the pay-per-view, and he was down on it, but I said, look, they knew what they were doing in there. They didn't try to go out of their lane and do all this other stuff, and this match followed that template. This match wasn't some Matt Classic or anything like that. It was a good match that stayed in its lane. They knew what they wanted to do, and they executed it well. 
The inmates were a little down on it, 5.68 rating, but I liked it. I think it was underrated a little bit. I thought they did a much better job than at the pay-per-view, and maybe my expectations were so low. And I thought the women did a great job. They added something to it, and I got to give them credit. I'm not the biggest fans of either of theirs, but I thought they added a lot. And I personally, I'll tell you this now, I'm a sucker for wrestling and romance. So any kind of angle like that is always going to get me extra invested. <laughs> so to see Cole and Britt teaming together, wearing the same uh, you know outfit, Britt doing the boom and all that stuff, that was awesome. I was totally into that. I totally fell for it. I thought it was a, a really strong, not a, as a great match, but a strong story ender for this feud, which, you know, has had a lot of ups and downs. And hopefully they can just go their separate separate ways. And I think if I'm Jericho, it might be time for another reinvention coming soon. Because I think the JAS, all of that stuff, we've seen Sammy be better off on his own. I think it may be time for him to do something a little bit different. I think Jericho might be better off as a babyface at this point. Like, he's a legacy character. The fans are going to sing his song no matter what. I'm sure he probably has more fun being heel. But I think he's better served as a babyface, especially with how much he <laughs> he puts people over. <laughs> you know, again, I'm not his biggest fan by any stretch of the imagination. Ever since this this company started, I have not been a fan of his. But... He could add something as a babyface to me, and he adds something even now, but there's a lot of criticisms to his work. None of those are about effort or his crowd reaction, which is always strong. And I would like to see him do something a little bit different going forward, because I think the JAS, it was fun for a while, it was cute for a while, but it's time to to move on, I would say. Like, let's get Danny Garcia into something else better. Let's get Sammy into something else better as a babyface. I think there's a lot of upside, you know, we'll see what happens next overall. But I thought I got to give these two credit because the the show or the match, at the pay-per-view was awful. It just was. I'm not biased saying that everyone knows that if they watched it and way worse than the Roddy and Jericho match. I know there's been a lot of talk about Cole being a main event player and going for the title. If it were me, I think him and Roddy should be a, a regular team. I think they complement each other so well. Roddy, a fantastic worker. Cole's not the greatest in-ring guy, but he can cut promos. Especially as a babyface, he has a lot of good fire. (laughs) They've got a great thing going with Britt. Those two, Jamie, you know, you could get, you know, when Kyle gets back, they could have a full faction. But if it were me, (laughs) I would just have Cole and Roddy go for the tag titles. (laughs) I think they would be great champions. And a better fit in a lot of these feuds than FTR is right now. Uh, that's something I, w- I would think about a lot. And I think that may be a lot better than him as a main event player. I don't think Adam Cole should go for the title. That's just my opinion. Nothing against him, but I think that we've seen... You know, the last angle was a stretch with the four pillars. It wasn't built up properly. The match was fantastic, and they did a great job. But the booking wasn't really there to support it for a lot of the time until maybe the very end. I think that if you have all of this faith in Punk, I know some people probably aren't going to want to hear that, aren't going to want to hear this too much. But if you're putting all of your chips and all of your eggs in this man's basket, 
then you might as well just finish the story that never got to be finished properly with Punk and MJF. I think that would be a better use of the main event. And you could use the title in a different way. But we'll see. <laughs> and I, I wanted to praise everybody involved. Uh, even Soraya, who uh, I definitely haven't been a big fan of. But I thought they did a good job. And I, and I liked it better than the inmates. I, I gotta go for that. Uh, another thing is they set up a swerve and embassy feud versus Orange, Cassidy, Darby Allen, and Sting. That's something they did with both guys. Sammy wasn't on the show, but you had Darby do a tag match with Orange Cassidy again. They're kind of, you know, putting them in as a faction almost. Not a faction, but a tag team. <laughs> um, and you had Jungle Boy team up with Hook, reuniting that group, so or that tag. So it seems like they're spinning them off into tag work. Sammy, I don't know what his plan is going forward, but I think both of these teams work. Uh, I really liked the Darby and OC versus Gates of Agony match. Uh, they're Ring of Honor six-man champions, Toa Leona and Bishop Khan. That was a great stylistic pairing. I thought they did a really good job. It has a 7.18 rating right now. Uh, but Swerve was a big part of the embassy stuff, and I think him getting the title is the proper way to go. He versus OC should be a really good match, and he would be a great person to get the title He's a guy that needs to be on TV every week. I've said it before. He's a main event player, talent-wise. His wrestling style, promos, physical charisma, to me, is near the absolute top tier of AEW wrestlers. That's a guy who needs to be in big spots going forward, and I think getting the title is a good step forward. And a logical end for OC. You, this OC, Darby Sting, you can have a great six-man tag versus Swerve and the Gates of Agony. Or swerve cage to somebody else if you want to have a, you know, an A team so to speak. There, <laughs> get rid of that, have swerve get the title in the end of it, and you can go from there. I mean, maybe break off to hit swerve versus Darby in a feud. How's that sound? That that could be something you look at here. Uh, looks like TK was listening last week uh, at our love for swerve and desire to see him get pushed. So thank you for that. Thank you for paying attention, folks, out there. Switchblade Jay White got to cut his first promo in the ring. Look, I said it before. I I wasn't just not a fan. I legitimately hated his run in New Japan. I thought he was one of the worst. Like, one of my personal least favorite wrestlers to watch was him in New Japan as the champion. Here, he's being pushed much closer to where he probably should be. But even I think he could have gotten a better chance in terms of, like... His strength is going to be on the mic. It's not going to be in the ring. We know that. It's going to be on the mic. But I will say this. His promo was pretty solid. He comes across confident confident enough. There wasn't anything really special about it, though. In his defense, the material he actually said, the stuff he was saying, was really basic stuff. He wasn't saying anything overly interesting. But he was really relaxed, pretty confident, it was fine, and I definitely think being paired with Juice is a godsend because literally anybody, you listening right now, I don't care who you are, where you're at, even if English isn't your first language, whatever gender you are, I promise you can look like a master on the mic compared to Juice Robinson's current heel act because he is bad, bad. I don't know what inspired him to do this voice, 
but it's all wrong, like all the wrong kind of heat. I can promise I wouldn't. I would have turned. You know, anytime he would come on the screen, I would turn the channel if I were not doing the show <laughs> because he sucks. Like, there's just no nice way to say it. He is actively bad on the microphone and should not be cutting promos. Period, which is a shame because he actually was a great promo at one point. I don't know what inspired this whole deal. I still have a lot of issues with the Bullet Club gold labeling. And also, it's worth noting that Ricky outshined everyone when he called Jay a punk-ass bitch at the end, which was completely awesome. I just want this feud to end so Starks can move on. Jay and Juice versus FTR could be a potentially good match, too. It's been said Punk has been eyeing Jay as kind of a guy that he could feud with. Which, I mean, that doesn't interest me personally, but I do think there's an audience for that. You know, I've, man, I've seen this guy's entire career. I remember his first match, Jay White. Uh, in the dojo system as a young lion, him and Finley. Where did it all go wrong? <laughs> you know, I, and they said the promo wasn't bad, but there was nothing there that made me think, oh, this is some special talent that they've been holding back. It's like, oh, okay, this this is kind of where he's at <laughs> overall. And I again, I think the gimmick also holds it back too. So it's like there's a lot working against him in general. You know, and he's a guy that I definitely think about, you know, maybe get through whatever this is with FTR, because that could be a potentially good match. Juice on the mic, I hate him, but in the ring, he's a fine worker. If Jay keeps shenanigans to the minimum, I think he can do well as well. Uh, FTR, obviously a great tag team. They haven't been given great opponents, and I think they may be hungry to make this even better than it would be in a normal situation. So it's something worth doing even if I am not personally a huge fan of the act. But again, Jay for me is a guy that I think could use a change in a lot of ways. Like everything should change for, for me. Not a lot of AEW news besides punk, just a good show. You know, let's go into the ratings here for cage match. First match was the BCC, Claudio Castagnoli, John Moxley and Wheeler, Utah versus Bandito and the Lucha brothers. Pintel zero, Pentel Zero Miedo and Ray Phoenix. Uh, this match was awesome. Great usage of the Lucha Brothers and Bandito here. Just a great, unique style, great stylistic matchup against BCC. All three of them were really good bases for the Lucha guys, too. <laughs> um, obviously, Moxley, Claudio, Yuta, all great workers. Claudio lifted Yuta on his shoulders, shoulders again. <laughs> Brian was on commentary. This group rocks. Everything about him does, and uh, there's nothing that I could say about this that would be possibly be bad. Other than some goofy reactions from people. Uh, sorry to say this, I don't want to bury people publicly or put people on blast, but uh, Alvarez and Meltzer, when they were talking about Bandito, come on. You know? <laughs> y'all are telling me y'all, even heard, y'all ain't never heard of Chaplin, Colorado? I do think, remember, I grew up like next door to a Mexican family, and we were we were really close. Um, my ex-fiance is from Puerto Rico as well, so I may be a little bit more able to speak on this stuff more, but he's a beloved figure uh, among Latin Americans. You know, this was totally a pop-worthy deal by Dito Day, and I thought it was super cool. A lot of people have great memories that are older that was around, but even if you're younger, you've at least heard of him in all likelihood. 
But that was a really great match. It's got a 7.58 rating right now. Totally deserved. I would totally recommend checking it out. That's about where I would have it too. The next match was Swerve Strickland versus Big Bill and Trent Beretta in a triple threat match. 6.83 rating. That seems about fair. Big Bill is good. That's something I noticed in this match, and I've noticed it every time I've seen him. I know it's easy to clown on him because he had that whole Enzo team and he was really bad, probably having one of Brian Danielson's worst matches ever. But he's actually grown a lot as a performer through Impact Wrestling, if you guys saw him there. He did grow a lot, and he's doing good things now, too. Uh, he's a guy that you could look at, too, <laughs> that may be worth... He would be perfect in Ring of Honor as like a pushed act. Uh, but here it was just random. It was really just a, a vehicle to get Swerve over. And he was awesome. His movements, his charisma, just a great villain character, Swerve is. I uh, really love what he's doing right now. As I mentioned before, the tag match, Darby Allen and Orange Cassidy versus Gates of Agony, 7.18 rating. Pretty good uh, to me. The problem is it was not as good as the other match with the BCC, but still, this is worth watching. I think this is a good rating by the inmates again. I would say for both shows, this and Raw <laughs> and SmackDown as well, <laughs> I got to say, say what you want about bias or whatever, but if you just look at the match ratings, I think all of them are pretty fair. The only one I would have a stink with would be the main event. I, I thought it was too low on the AEW side, on the Dynamite side. I think the inmates are doing a good job rating right now. That's just my opinion on the matter, because I think they're pretty accurate in all of these. The TBS title match, Chris Statlander defending against Nyla Rose, 5.91 rating. I agree with that. It was not... A, I mean, we, me and Sandra talked about this. A lot of people were really going crazy about Stat coming back. There's just no evidence to me that at all that she's even a, a, a good worker, let alone a great one. Uh, I think there's a lot better talents they could have done this with. And to me, this was an average match at best. And Nyla's no great shakes either. We we saw that already. Finish was cool. Was Stat doing the 450? That's my move, the best move in wrestling. So I do give her a little bit of a boost on that. But again, I agree with the inmates. I didn't think this was a, a, a you know, not worth running, at, running out of your way to see, to say the least. Main event, 5.68. Like I said, I think it's underrated. <laughs> I liked what they did. A legitimately good sports entertainment style of match. But other than that, again, not a lot of news. I'm hopeful we start the build to Forbidden Door at the end of the month. I want to see them do stuff on Dynamite. Maybe even Collision as well. We've got Omega and Osprey. That's very likely the main event. I'm pretty hyped about the show. Eddie Kingston is going to be in New Japan Pro Wrestling's G1 Climax this year, which is probably a dream come true for Eddie. It's going to be a great addition for English-speaking fans. And also, Brian Danielson challenged Okada which should be an absolutely phenomenal match if that's Unforbidden Door. Okada, if you guys don't follow Japan, Okada's doing the best work of his career right now. More heelish leaning. Brian is the best wrestler in the world always for my money. Get hyped for that because that is going to be a hell of a match. I can't wait for it. I was so excited for that. Uh, the G1 this year has got 32 people in it. Um, and by the way, too, Kingston got one of the biggest reactions, if not the biggest when they announced uh, people in Japan. The Japanese people really showed him a lot of love. I know he had to be loving this. Uh, so shout out to Eddie Kingston. I know he's a big listener to my friend WH Park show 
uh, Long and Winding Royal Road. He just had a new episode. Uh, I've been on that show before multiple times as well. He's listened to him as well. Uh, retweeted some stuff from Eastern Lariat. So got a lot of love for Eddie. And I'm a fan of his work anyway. Uh, I think he's going to be a good participant with a different style. Uh, even though I, I, I've always said this. I think Eddie is better as like <laughs> a street brawler than a Japanese-inspired wrestler. And I get that he's a big fan, but I think his natural strength in the ring lend itself more to brawls and things like that, in my opinion, anyway. But he'll be good anyway in the G1, and Brian versus Okada could be absolutely fantastic. This Forbidden Door could be an all-timer show, people. I know a lot of people thought that about <laughs> last year's show, <laughs> but <laughs> with Omega Os- Osprey 2 and Brian versus Okada, if that's on the card... And we don't even know what's going to happen with the title. Oh, man. That could be something uh, on there. So that's some really good stuff there. Let's take a trip to WWE now. Uh, That's all i got to say about AEW, really. No big news, really, for them. Other than, you know, I'll I'll talk about it on SmackDown. But I'll go ahead and and talk about it now. They debuted a new title to celebrate Roman Reigns' 1,000 Days as Champion. No, wait. I apologize. Let me go back. I have one more thing to say about AEW, actually, uh, before we move on to WWE, because I I wanted to mention this. It's not something we normally do, because uh, why would you do this normally? But this week was special. Uh, Rampage, well worth going out of your way to see the Battle of the Belts. All title matches, no AEW titles. Their ratings tanked bad. (laughs) They did a bad job of promoting it, (laughs) and there should have been (laughs) some native AEW wrestlers throughout it. Uh, the AAA title match was a three-way match with Ildo Vikingo, Dralistico, and Commander, and it was really good. Ten minutes of all-action, lucha, high-flying stuff. You know, nothing super realistic or anything like that, but if you just want good, high-flying, exciting, action-packed wrestling, these these three totally delivered, and it was totally successful for what they wanted to do. Vikingo is a generational talent, and the other two are pretty good. Uh, and Commander is... Definitely better than Dralistico, but uh, Vikingo outshines everybody. They had a New Japan TV title match, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Action Andretti. Cool for a lot of fans to watch Zack. It was a pretty good match. You know, I was more impressed with the other matches, uh, but this was a fine 10 minutes as well. Andretti, this really isn't his style, but he did fine. Uh, definitely a nice little match. The strong, New Japan Strong Women's Title match was Willow Nightingale versus Emi Sakura. That was my personal match of the night. None of these matches are like match of the year level, but for an hour of just good wrestling with all different styles showed, uh, I thought it was so good. Uh, you know, I thought it was a really enjoyable show. But the women's match was the one that stood out the most to me. Uh, the inmates, each match gets lessly, like lesser rated as things go along. The opening AAA match was 7.71. TV title was 7.57. Women's title was 7.36. <laughs> and the Ring of Honor pure title <laughs> between Shibata and Lee Moriarty was 7.21. I think that the women's title was my number one. The main event would be my number two. But they were all worth watching. Uh, AAA match would be number three. Uh, the main event was really good. Shibata versus Moriarty. Uh, some of it was dry, though. Moriarty didn't really gain anything from the match, really. It was just a showcase for Shibata to be Shibata, but not nearly as good as the match with Shibata versus Yuta 
in the Ring of Honor WrestleMania weekend show where he won the title. That was so freaking awesome. One of my favorite matches of the year was Yuta versus Shibata. This was like a very poor man's version of that, which means it was still good and worth watching. <laughs> you know, overall, it's still, <laughs> it's still good. You know, don't get me wrong. But yeah, just wanted to shout out Rampage. It was a good show, top to bottom. Check it out. Now let's move on to Raw. Uh, no, no, we're moving on to the title, which I wanted to talk about. So they b- made a new title for them. Now remember, you heard it here first, people. I was the original World Heavyweight title belt supporter. I think the Raw title is a really good title. It looks great. It could be better. Maybe I'm just a mark for big gold and the reference to that coming back. Obviously, the stuff in the middle kind of messes it up. But it's still a higher-end title than the crap we normally get, as proven by this Roman title, which is basically the same title as he had before. (laughs) Just now it's gold-plated. You know, it's a gold strap now instead of black or blue. I just think it's an ugly title. And I think it's goofy to debut a new title right after the other one, but whatever. Now, that was really the only news we had. On Raw, the biggest thing to me was the Money in the Bank setup. They had two matches. They started the you know, the, the road to Money in the Bank. It looks like it's going to be eight men, eight women, four from each show. That's kind of how they've done it for a little while now. Ricochet beat The Miz, and Shinsuke Nakamura beat Bronson Reed, which I was very surprised by. Ricochet definitely belongs in the Money in the Bank match. This is where he's going to do some eye-popping stuff and get over. He's already decently over with the crowd. Nakamura over Reed was a surprise. I really think Reed has a lot of upside if they used him right. Nakamura, they've given a pretty decent push to outside of that weird loss last week to Finn or whatever. But they've given him a decent little rub on Raw, and he has performed better than he has on SmackDown. (laughs) You know, this is some of his best work. Because that was a really good match him and Reed had, I thought. Next week, they're starting the women's side of it. Uh, Becky Lynch versus Sonya Deville and Zoe Stark versus Natty. They did a promo segment of Matt Riddle teasing Gunther and Gunther saying he wanted him to cash in on him. I hate that even being teased as, a, as an option. They should never cash in on a non-world champion. And they kind of screwed it up already with Theory. But you just devalued the briefcase even more when they did that. Uh, th- we should try to forget about that. <laughs> you know, pretend it never happened. Retcon that crap. Because we don't need that crap in our wrestling. We don't need to devalue more things. They do that enough with everything they do on their roster. They don't need to devalue more things. But next week's matches are a direct result of the follow-up between Trish and Becky tonight. They had a segment where Trish came out with a big bruise on her chin. I mean, that was a physical match. I think that's an underrated match, honestly. Trish and Becky... They were so physical. Those right hands they were throwing were great. Trish came out with a big old bruise on her chin. And Zoe came in and cut a promo basically saying how great Trish was. <laughs> and like her justification was totally reasonable for once. It was like, hey, I could take the long, hard road like Becky did. But screw that. I want to go to the top right away. And I want to be like Trish, who knows all about that. They ended up beating the crap out of Becky. Now, Becky came out. <laughs> she looked at so- uh, Zoe and said, I will ruin your life. She's going to ruin this girl's whole life. What does that entail, though? How do you ruin Zoe's life? What's the most important to Zoe Stark? We don't know that. I said earlier in the AEW segment, I'm, my DMs are open. I mean, you might not want to give that info away, though, because, you know, I might not be trustworthy. I could sell it off to Becky. And, like, let her know her weaknesses. So, you know, I can understand if you don't want to tell your greatest weakness, but 
<laughs> you know, the things most important to you. But I don't like that. That's not a babyface line to me. I get that she caught she's a match, but are you going to ruin somebody's whole life over this? But Becky came in. They ended up beating her down. Uh, they tried to put the shirt on her that said, thank you, Trish. But <laughs> Becky was like totally uncooperative for whatever reason. And they both wore their Saudi Arabia gear for some reason. <laughs> I guess they just thought it was cool. But yeah, she totally fought off this shirt deal. And they just kind of laid it on top of her. I think Zoe should definitely get in. I could totally see Trish costing Becky the match. And that leading to a second match between them. Kind of do a similar deal to Cody and Brock, but just have it pay off at SummerSlam. But they also could just have Becky win. I would think I would like to see what I just said about Trish costing her the match. If it was somebody besides Sonya that she was going against. Because Sonya doesn't need to be in the match. I actually think Chelsea would be a better, you know, a much better choice for this kind of role. Um, I think Becky, Zoe, Trish should all be in. And if you look at the women's rosters of both brands, I honestly think Trish winning the briefcase, that could lead to some really good segments. Like have her on TV every week bragging and building up and giving her one run with it, one more run with the title. And that would, could be a good way to get the title off of Rhea and help turn her babyface as well. If there's a screwy finish and she cashes in on her. <laughs> like, I love the idea of Trish winning the money in the bank. Zoe is one of my favorites on the roster in ring-wise. On SmackDown, I mean, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but there's a couple of options. But on Raw, of everybody, I think Trish would be my pick on the Raw side. But that was good. And they're sending up stuff next week, which I appreciate. Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler, new women's tag champs. They won the four-way match. The match was nothing to write home about. <laughs> A lot's been said of the interview Shayna gave, <laughs> where basically Rousey demanded they win the tag titles. And they did it. Uh, they, they cut a promo backstage, and Rousey called them D's nuts for whatever reason. I don't know how that makes sense at all. But it's a Ronda promo, so who knows? <laughs> At the end of the day, uh, she's kind of a weirdo, uh, like with the stuff she says on the mic. Uh, never mind, like not even just real life or whatever, just like the stuff she says on the show. Uh, she's kind of a weirdo, is all I'm saying. But she had good intensity. It was a fine promo and all. They're probably as good of a choice as any. I think they're a long way away from, <laughs> you know, uh, like making these tag titles mean anything. But I think they're they're probably the best hope that they can actually get behind. Cody cut a promo talking about Brock Lesnar. And it, it all built to his big closing line where he was like, if you don't fight me for a third time, then Brock Lesnar is scared of Cody Rhodes. Good babyface promo. When me and Scott were talking about this feud and, and he was going on about he didn't think there needed to be a third match. As a fan, I kind of don't know if I need this to <laughs> to continue, so I was kind of on board with it. But in my head, I was thinking like, there's there's not no way they're gonna end this <laughs> like with a Brock win. Like Cody needs to come out on top of this, and, and they need to give him a match. And with the title being set up how it is with the Bloodline stuff, I think <laughs> you know if they can drag this out to SummerSlam, good on him. And it looks like he might not even be in the Money in the Bank, so. 
Uh, give them a big gimmick match in England and let this be over with. Because I'm not... This feud doesn't feel super hot to me, in, in my opinion. And it feels like we're just kind of dragging things out until Cody can do something else. Big story on Raw was Seth's first night with the title. They did a thing with AJ Styles, and they even said on the show, they were like, yeah, I know this goes against the brand split and all, but the fans want to see it. <laughs> so nevertheless, whoever Adam Pierce was talking to on the phone, we think was Triple H, but they made it official, and they won. They beat Finn and Priest, which is fine. I mean, look, Seth was super over. That opening segment, I wish Scott was here, because that segment was booked for him, personally, I think. Uh <laughs> Man, this guy was going crazy on the mic. It was from Albany, New York, uh, MVP Arena. A sold-out crowd there, too. So I'm totally fine with what they did on paper. My problem is they ended up announcing that it's going to be Seth defending the title versus Damian Priest now. And I just don't understand that at all. You know, why couldn't we have just... Why couldn't Priest have just, has just pinned AJ in the match? Why couldn't he have just pinned AJ? Set up the title, give him a big win. Priest deserves it. I mean, to me, he's one of the better... If you look at Raw, he's one of the better Raw talents, in my opinion. And I think all around size, look, wrestling, promo, he has it all. Uh, I really like him a lot. I'm a huge fan of Damian Priest and see a lot in him. Him versus Seth could be a fantastic match if they don't overdo the Judgment Day stuff. I think they could really do a lot of great things. I mean, they probably will. But if they just let them go out and wrestle, that could be a phenomenal match. But why couldn't you have just given them the win over AJ? You know, that's what I don't understand. But I'm looking forward to it. Look on the Raw side. Who else is up there? They obviously teased Matt Riddle already. Um, I would like to think Gable could be a guy. Like, that would be who I would want to see as a fan. He's one of my favorites. Um... One of the Judgment Day members. I think that might be Dominic, though. Like, with him, with Priest getting the shot already, and Finn kind of being the side guy, I think that would be kind of who you would look at at the moment. Uh, that could be somebody you put in that match. But I would prefer Gable just because he's a better wrestler. <laughs> I mean, like, storyline wise, <laughs> like, you know, Gable's a comedy guy. Um,. But yeah, Finn or Dominic may be a good fourth guy. I'm not a huge Riddle fan either, to be honest with you. Uh, he's a fine wrestler at all, but he he doesn't get me excited, and I loathe his character. Like, I think his character totally sucks. So hopefully they figure something out there. On the women's side, you look at the roster, I think Raquel is basically a lock. Otherwise, I mean, you've got a lot of people that were... Remember a couple of weeks ago, we had that segment where I listed people off to face Rhea, and I listed a bunch of people that could be good, but actually aren't built very well? All of those people, like any one of those, Zia Lee, Piper Niven, Candice, they played a video for her on the show, Candice LeRae, where she talked about being a pixie. <laughs> not, a, not a main event gimmick, in my opinion. <laughs> but I definitely think Raquel should be one. And take your pick for the others. Um... If Indy comes back, I might just go ahead and pick her. Uh, I'd like to be the fourth person. But they might want a, a heel in there, so I don't know. I still say Trish should be in the match. Like, that's my number one draft pick for that. But that was Raw. It was a fine show. Let me look at the ratings here. 
Um, match, you know, again, the overall show rating is high, but if you actually look at the matches, I don't think there's any egregious match ratings. Maybe the main event was a little high, but everything else is fine. Uh, Ricochet Miz was 6.81. We get these, uh, this annoying discussion about Miz actually being good. He's not good. I don't care if he's springboarded. The women's tag title match was 6.24. Totally fair. Um, that's about where I would have it. Like, totally average. Uh, maybe even a little lower. The Nakamura Reed, 7.06. That's fair. A fine match, nothing super special, but a good match for nine minutes. Main event, AJ and Seth versus Judgment Day, 7.78. That's a little high. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was a good match, though. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, and, I, and I enjoyed it. SmackDown, as usual, was basically a nothing show. 90% of this was built around Roman and his segment. They had a ton of segments with Paul Heyman backstage, talking to Adam Pearce, banning the Usos from the arena, although they came in easily and there was really no explanation given. (laughs) Like, they supposedly had their flights canceled and their super security, but (laughs) they just walked out pretty much by the end. So stupid stuff there. They had some great videos, though, talking about this whole title reign. We saw both Brian Danielson and CM Punk get mentioned on SmackDown this week. It led to the main event segment, his 1,000-day celebration, which was a pretty great wrestling segment, to be honest. They cut promos to each other. Uh, Jimmy looked at Roman, and Roman was like, Hey, Jay, kick Jimmy like he kicked me. Fix him. And then Jimmy was like, You're the one that needs to be fixed, Deuce. And they teased all of the Usos, including Solo, joining together. <laughs> like, Solo was like, yeah, I respect, or I acknowledge you, Chief, but these are my brothers. And he walked on their side, and Roman looked afraid, like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, this is it. Like, crap is hitting the fan, I'm screwed, and I'm probably about to get my ass kicked. But then it just it set up a turn <laughs> where... Jimmy and, like, Jay was like, I need both of y'all. Y'all can't be fighting, y'all. I love the Usos characters because when I was growing up, I knew, like, uh, I knew a guy who was exactly like the Usos. <laughs> like, personality-wise, as their character on TV, he acted exactly like him, and he was awesome, and the Usos are awesome. But, yeah, Uso, or Jay was like, I need y'all. And then Jimmy was like, let's do it with respect like we've been doing. And Roman was like, all right. They hugged, and it looked like everything was okay. And he was like, are we still the ones? And then Roman was like, nah. And then <laughs> and then Solo gave him the spike. And Solo and Roman walked off. Jay was distraught over Jimmy. I thought this was totally brilliant. <laughs> and a great, a great follow-up to Night of Champions for this whole deal. It really made things more interesting. It feels like they're finally getting into gear with a storyline that I've really struggled with for most of its run, I love what they did here. I thought this was a great segment. It feels like we're getting into the that fourth gear finally. And the great thing I love, the way this ended was so good. At Night of Champions, the focus was on Jimmy being the top babyface. He finally stood up to Roman. He did what Jay should have done a long time ago. Epic moment. Everything about it was great. Now, this week, they've turned it into kind of like Jimmy and Roman are kind of feuding for Jay's loyalty. (laughs) But with how they did it, they basically set it up to where 
any of the three Uso brothers are now in play to be the guy that headlines against Roman at SummerSlam. And I think that's very, very, that's a very high compliment. Because going into all of this, Jay was the only one people really felt at that level. But I think they've built this in a way to where any of the three could be very great, especially Jimmy or Jay. And they put spotlight more on Jay with his great acting here. Uh, so that was great. The problem is, just like every week with SmackDown, it's just such a one-note show. Like, it's the bloodline, and basically everything else doesn't matter. Um, the only other segment that I could think of was the women's title segment. Asuka was on the Waller effect, and basically, he was like, hey, you know Bianca's going to be coming for you, right? And then suddenly, EO came out, and they yelled in Japanese, which was awesome. It wasn't as good as the one they had a few months ago on Raw, where Asuka was like super awesome. They tried to play off that a little bit. <laughs> she kept calling her a child and a baka. The problem with this is, the more we talked about it, because this is another thing we kind of talked about and I thought would be a great build-up with EO versus Asuka. If this keeps up, and they finally let Asuka talk even a little, which is what I've been clamoring for, that's the biggest flaw of her of her character the last six months. They stopped her for talking. That's what she is great at. I mean, she's best in the ring. <laughs> but she is a super charismatic performer. Even not speaking English, everyone pays attention to her because she's so great and char- charismatic. They let her talk a little bit, and if they keep it up, it's going to be impossible for her not to just turn babyface again. She's too charismatic and fun and awesome. And Io was fine, but nobody can match Asuka, charisma-wise. And then the the thing is, that was great, and then the segment went off the rails, because then Bailey came out, then Lacey came out, then everybody came out. It was basically like, hey, Asuka, I'm going to win the money in the bank and beat you for the title. And then somebody else would be coming out and be like, not so fast. I'm going to be the one who beats her for the title when I win money in the bank. And then somebody else would come out and say like, you? Nah, it'll be me that wins Money in the Bank. And they just went on and on and on. <laughs> um, another criticism, uh, total waste of Grayson Waller so far. His SmackDown run has been so disappointing. He keeps hosting these segments, but he barely gets to say anything. This guy needs to be cutting a promo on somebody, being a great heel, which we know he could do, be annoying, and lead to a good match. These Waller effect segments where he doesn't say anything doesn't help him at all. And most of the crowd doesn't even know him. They need to get him a gear, give him a feud with somebody. It should be AJ, in my opinion. But any babyface would be fine. Just get him going. Let him do something. Because uh, this is just... I'm not feeling this Waller effect where he doesn't even say anything <laughs> most of the time. Uh, he said... He had one comment where he was like, My dreams have come true. Or, <laughs> or something like that. When all the women were out there. So whatever. Uh, he's a guy that, to me, should be... <laughs> money in the bank player, but uh, whatever. Um, yeah, the money in the bank on the SmackDown side. Zelina Vega beat Lacey Evans, who is now a Supermarine, like G.I. Jane type of deal again. <laughs> uh, L.A. Knight beat Montez Ford. <laughs> so uh, Zelina Vega and L.A. Knight are in. Let's take a look at the SmackDown roster we got here. Um, AJ would be a good pick. I think that would be an obvious. Lashley, you know, you have that. You could tell a story with Edge if you wanted, uh, but he wouldn't be one of my top picks. Grayson, again, I think would give him a push. Just 
just doing that would give him something. Santos Escobar, they teased, which he congratulated Zelina, and I think would be great. That would be exactly one of the guys that I would want in, uh, if it were up to me. But there's three spots left. You've got LA Knight in already. Those are the kind of guys I would look at. I would definitely have Santos in. Sheamus could be a guy. AJ would be my pick. If it were me, I think it would be Santos, AJ, and Waller. Um, Just because you elevate two people and AJ would be good at this kind of match. On the Raw side, if you gave me a pick, uh, they've already got two in with Ricochet and Shinsuke. I think I would pick... And Drew is out right now with the contract dispute. And Reed's already lost. Yeah, I'd pick Gable. Maybe Gargano? I don't know. They're kind of setting up with him and Ciampa. I don't think he needs to be in. Uh, As I said, I don't like Riddle that much. Uh, Woods, I think, would be a great person to put in there. Um, I wish if they pushed uh, Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo, that could be something like one of them. I I wish they would push them so much. I love those guys. I think they're a fantastic team, (laughs) but they just don't do it. Uh, Dominic is an obvious option as well. So Uh, on the women's side, (laughs) we only have uh, Zelina now. Asuka's the champion. You've got the NXT tag champions on there, so that kind of takes them out. But otherwise, I mean... EO is, like, obvious. I want uh, Mia Yim to be in there. That would be two. You need one more. I think you could tell an interesting story because they did the promo afterwards where Bianca definitely leaned more towards a heelish, like, a heelish tactic. And I think them and the Prophets turning heel, I think, should be the end game for her now. It's time for a change. And I think that her not being in the money in the bank, somebody screwing her should be the impetus of that. But just talent-wise, she's the best one by far, so I want her in the match. <laughs> like, unless you want to put Alba Fire in there, I could get down with that. I don't really need to see Shotzi or Tamina. You know... I definitely don't want to see Charlotte in there. Anybody would be better than her. Bailey seems like she's kind of mentally checked out (laughs) these days. A lot of her work isn't hitting with me, and even her mic work doesn't hit for for me anymore. Uh, I would rather it be Alba or Bianca. But definitely EO should be one, and I really want Mia to get some... Again, elevate people with this match. You've got eight spots. Use it. But otherwise, the show was a nothing show. The first match was a six-man tag with Austin Theory and Pretty Deadly. That's kind of a storyline they're working now. Pretty Deadly are Theory's henchmen, pretty much. Which, that gives them something. But I don't like any of these people. <laughs> so that that's kind of the problem. I don't think any of them are particularly great. They're fine heel fodder, but no, nothing gets me excited. And they actually beat the Brawling Brutes, which I was very surprised by. Those guys need something. Those guys are good. Butch and Ridge Holland and Sheamus, come on. Give these boys a push, man. They could go. Butch should be in the Money in the Bank. Or Sheamus. Either one. 
They had a match with the OC, Anderson and Gallows versus Hit Row. It sucked. Uh, thankfully, it was only three minutes, so you can't rate it a cage match, or it would have been low, I'm sure. Uh, Zelina Vega, Lacey Evans, again, the first match of the six-man lasted forever. It was like almost 20 minutes, and then you had a bunch of like three-minute matches. <laughs> um, Zelina and Lacey was nothing. Uh, Zelina qualified. It's fine. You know, we always talk about how the women's division got a boost on SmackDown, but there's not a lot of depth either when you look at this roster. I, it's pretty rough. Uh, you know, the top stars are great. Like, four or five deep, you get great. But after that, things fall off. Uh, Zelina beat Lacey. She'll do some spots. I'm not... Neither one of those were good picks, in my opinion, to, to be in. But Knight beat Ford. It was a 6.46 rating. Probably a little high. I thought it was an average match, personally. Uh, Montez, man, that's a guy who needs to be... He needs to be on his way doing something big, man. That guy is so talented. Great worker. Great promo. The thing is with Knight, I'm not a huge fan of his in the ring. I mean, as a promo, yes. I totally see why he's so over and popular. (laughs) And he is over and popular. But as a worker, I don't think he's that special, personally. Uh, There are others I like more than him. But the fans are rallying behind him. And as of now, I mean, he could be one of the favorites when you look at the crowd reaction. It feels like they're finally noticing uh, what he can do. And I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see how things go. But, you know, that's all there really is to say about WWE and, and AEW this week. I enjoyed a lot of what we saw. A little bit shorter than the last couple of episodes. Hopefully you guys still enjoyed it. It was a solo run, just over an hour. Uh, as I said, uh, you know... I still wanted to do the show, and no matter what happens, I will be here next week, but I'm pretty sure I won't be alone. Like, I'm very confident. This one kind of snuck up on me a little bit, and there's a lot going on with graduations and things like that, but Scott will be back in a couple weeks as well. No worries, Hakuna Matata, and I'll have some good things planned anyway, but hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I won't be going alone again, but Scott's on vacation, so if stuff is going on, that's life. I'll handle it. And I promise I will be back here one way or the other. I hope you guys enjoyed my solo show. It's a ton of fun to do. Follow us on Twitter at Viva underscore zero for me at Scott E wrestling for him. Follow the five star network everywhere. Podcasts are heard every social media platform. Check out the website. Uh, Lots of good stuff on there. Japanese wrestling and writing as well. I'm thinking about breaking out a little bit of writing for our our show, like wrestle update, do a little bit of writing for it. That's something you may want to keep an eye out for. It just depends on how the show goes uh, because we just needed some stability. As I said at the top, there's a lot of changes going on in cage match right now. It's really, you know, a lot of stuff upended a lot of my plans. But still, follow everything going along, going on, going on and going along. Check us out on YouTube. You can click that on the page as well. Uh, it's good stuff, man, uh, on here. So thank you guys so much. Check out the Eastern Lariat, which <laughs> this week my co-host on there is also on vacation as well. So that's very popular. Leaving poor Dylan alone, who will never get to go on vacation because he is very poor. But <laughs> that's okay. Uh, I've definitely got replacements ready for that, though. So we're going to be talking about All Together on that show. That's a big Japanese show featuring New Japan, Noah, All Japan. All of them coming together for a special interpromotional show. One day I'd like to fantasy book a show with WWE and AEW coming together, although that's very unrealistic at the end of the day as well. But regardless, check that out. Lucha Talk is coming back very soon. There's a Triple Mania coming up back in a couple of weeks. Should be a lot of fun on there as well. So 
Big show's coming up. Next week, Russell Update is going to be back as well. Hopefully, I can have a co-host on, which I think I will. And it's funny because, like I said, a lot of people, after the pay-per-view, after Sandre came on, it's like a bunch of people messaged me that was like, hey, let me be on the show. But then it's like a bunch of stuff happened that I was like, okay, now's your chance. And then they're like, no, nah, I can't do it this weekend. <laughs> so it's funny how that works out sometimes. But it's okay. Uh, no heat or anything like that. I'll, one day, a bunch of people will still be on some kind of show I do. I don't know if it'll be here. Thinking about starting some extra stuff. We'll see how it goes. But regardless, hopefully I did well enough on my own. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. And until next time, this has been your Wrestle Update. <laughs>